0: Alright, folks. Welcome to Nothing Is South Texas Golf Podcast, episode number forty-one. I have—I always have a special guest, but I'm really intrigued, and I think you will be for our guest this evening. This evening, I have Trevor Salzman. He is the director of instruction of the Dormy Network, Dormy Network Institute, out at Briggs Ranch Golf Club. Now, in speaking and meeting with Trevor, you're going to see that he's got his own style. As you can see right here, we got some big red pants, bright red pants. Uh, He's, he's instructed in China. He's out of Utah. He's also been in Arizona. So he's been at many different courses. The Dormy, the Dormy network is made up of six golf clubs. Now he's going to tell us a little bit more about that. And I think you're really going to like his style, his hands on style, his cool, fun, loving nature. He doesn't refer to himself as a golf instructor. He really refers to himself as a golf coach and I really love his hands-on style and his freaking attitude. It's going to get you. And he's a bit of a gambler, just to give you a heads up. He's a bit of a gambler. Uh, I've never right?
1: done that, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Trevor, thanks for joining us tonight. I appreciate your time, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me.
0: All right. Let, let's get things going with the bang. Tell me, now, what got you into this game of golf?
1: Uh, so if I'm being honest with you, what got me into the game of golf was getting cut from a basketball team when I was in eighth grade. Uh, cause I was too short at the time. is what my coach told me. So, uh, probably the greatest thing that ever happened. If I'm being honest with you, man, because, <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'd be without golf right now. Truthfully.
0: Well, so, so I guess that's why the other day you're, you're talking a little bit about MJ. You got some of those MJ vibes, MJ stories that, Hey, MJ got cut too, you got cut too, or what?
1: Yeah, I just, I didn't quite, I didn't turn into the greatest basketball player to ever play the game, though, I'll tell you that much, my, my road went a little different, <laughs> went a little different than his.
0: All right, so that's what got you into the game, and how did it all start, and where did it all start?
1: Uh, so, truthfully, like, if I'm being honest with, uh, with you guys, um, I was part of the Tiger Woods effect, I mean, literally the first golf tournament I ever watched was the Masters in 97, uh my dad's the one who introduced me to the game after I obviously after I got cut from uh from the basketball team that I was on and I was like all right I'm done with basketball and he's like well, i give give golf a shot so um uh, and really that's just from there one thing led to another and here I am now I'm teaching teaching the game for a living.
0: I remember you were telling me that that it, it all kind of started in Utah, and is that where you're from?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I like to say I'm from Park City, Utah. Uh, I grew up just outside of Salt Lake City. Um, lived there most of my whole life. Uh, started working at a place called Glenwild Golf Club and Spa in 2004. Worked all the way there up until 2010, and then in the winters of 07-08, uh, or I'm sorry, 08. Anyways, from 2000 to 2010, in the winters, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona at another a sister club called Silverleaf then. And, uh, yeah, I, I finally, I decided that I wanted to start teaching full time at a pretty young age and, uh, moved over to China at the age of 24 and I was teaching out at Mission Hills, uh, which is the world's largest golf club. So like where I was at, there's 12 golf courses on property right there. Uh, there was two academies, um, just absolutely insane. Uh, Twelve golf courses. Twelve golf courses. Crazy. So did
0: so did they all like? I guess did they all span from the clubhouse, or was one maybe at a shuttle here or shuttle there, or how yeah. did that all? How did that all work?
1: So they had three different properties that you you would have you'd, you'd have to take a shuttle bus to. So um, there, like where I was at on the Dongguan side, uh, there was one two. There's four, there's five courses there, and then there was five courses on the Shenzhen side, and then they had two higher end private ones. So Dang,
0: man, that that's crazy. Now, when when we when we met the other day, you were telling me uh, some certain things
1: about China. That how is golf in China so different than here in the states, buddy? Just expectations, my man. Um, I'll never forget like when I first started teaching over there. Um, literally, like. The thing about the thing about teaching golf in China is they want results ASAP, uh, which means like, okay, you get five swings. If these guys slice the living heck out of the golf ball, uh, you better get them to hook it in less than five. And so, I mean, it, it really it kind of helped mold me into the teacher that I am that it's okay to go to extremes with teaching. Um, if somebody's slicing it over here, it's okay if if we take it, where the heck did my hand go? There it is. Yeah, it's okay that we go. That we go really really extreme to the other side because then that gives us the ability to find where the middle ground is Uh, like as an example people who slice it oh I'm going to try and get them to hook it immediately so that they know the differences between those two fields and then we can start to gravitate more towards the one that you like the most Uh, and then we'll obviously we try and get it back to center and we try and keep you as close to center as possible after that so I mean I learned I learned the extremes of teaching there immediately uh, getting results ASAP where the way I was used to teach in the States before I went to China was, okay, everybody understands this is a process. I've got to get better before I – or I've got to get worse before I get better. All this different type – all this all this stuff that we understood in the States. China is pretty new over there at that moment in time in 2010. I mean, golf's only been around 20-some years, something like that, I believe it was. And so they didn't know any of that stuff. It's just, well, I want to get better, and I want to get better now. I want to see something different immediately. I don't want to – wait two months and get crappier before I start playing better golf. Like they, one of the biggest things in China is they have what you'd call face. So like they do not want, you don't want to be embarrassed in front of. So if you're taking golf lessons, you better be getting better. Or you better at least see something different where I'm not going to be a slicer anymore. I'm going to start hooking the golf ball. And then all my buddies see me hooking it when I used to slice it. Heck, that's how I ended up getting a lot of my businesses. I would just go (laughs) streams with teaching and they'd be like, yeah, you want to hook the ball? You can go see trap. I was like, yeah, I'll get you to hook it.
0: It's like, yeah, I'm, hey, I'm your guy. I'm your Absolutely. guy. Absolutely.
1: We're going to take this left hand and we're going to make it as strong as possible, right hand under, <laughs> and we're going to hook the hell out of the face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, slice is gone, right? Slice it's is gone. gone. Yeah. You might hit yourself <laughs> in your shin, but the slice is gone.
0: <laughs> now, I guess, obviously, that has, that has to have something to do with that Asian culture where, uh, you know, whatever you see out, like you, like you said, out front and face, out, out in front, uh, where perception is reality. Yeah. So I'm sure they want they want those drastic improvements right there and then. And I I remember you stating you telling me that if you couldn't get the job done, hey, they're on to the next.
1: Oh, dude, like literally, it was like okay, if if you've been in, if you've been with somebody for five minutes, ten golf balls, fifteen golf balls, however many it is, and they're still hitting the same shot back then, at least I don't know how it is anymore. They'd be like, okay, uh, I'm done here. I'm gonna go book a lesson with somebody else, and they're paying like 250 bucks an hour in 2010. <laughs> And they're like, I'm like, you're done. Yeah, we're done. We're gonna go try somebody else who can actually get me to do something different. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So now,
0: now, now tell me, uh, how was that? I guess pressure-wise for you as being a coach or trying to uh, trying to you know put money in your pocket and food on the table.
1: Uh, when I was over there, is that what you mean?
0: Yes, like I, I guess having for people having to see results asap.
1: I mean, the only pressure for me is, well, one, I, I went over there. I didn't really have any money, uh, number one. So it was like anything that I make is better than what, I'm, what I've already got <laughs> right now. So that was one thing. I didn't have any money then for sure. Um, number two, it was, it's really more than anything. It was I just wanted to get better at teaching, man. That's the reason I did it. Um, I mean, you well know what happened in 2000, 2008, 2009, 2010 when the stock market crashed, housing market crashed. Um, so the next thing you know, people are going to stop spending money on stuff like golf lessons. So the guys that were kind of mentoring me at the time, they're like, it would go to Asia. And I was like, all right, I'll look into it and shoot. The next thing I know, I was on an airplane in less than, in about a month. So, well,
0: well, I remember, I remember you told me that one of the best things that came out of your China trip is that your your great gear that you like to get which that one? You're known for your great gear the great gear and pants that you wear that you're known for your, your yeah. bright colors, your lavish style. That, yeah, I've got, um,
1: <laughs> I got a few tailors in Asia for sure. My wife helps me out quite a bit when she goes back home to Hong Kong and she'll get some pants and stuff like that for me. So yeah, it's, yeah, that, that part of it's awesome. <laughs> that part, I like going back at least once a year for that part of it.
0: All right. Well, when I was, when I was talking with uh, one of the membership guys or one of the card guys, Chris, uh, I said, tell me a little so- something about Trevor. He said, oh, man, his style is just, uh, you can see him coming from a mile away. And, and that, I guess, on your cart, I guess, because you live on property, right? If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, yeah. you live on property. And he said, do you have your own cart? Or as you're driving up, I said, you can see Trevor like a mile away. He's got some bright blue, some bright red. Uh, everyone can see him coming from a mile away. And, and nobody has to, to
1: guess uh, who Trevor is out there. Well, I just like having fun, buddy. that's what life's about you gotta have fun
0: well see that that's one thing that i've really seen from your videos you're a super hands-on teacher and in speaking with you you made a lot of sense like i I, you made a lot of sense in saying that you're not the kind of instructor you're not the kind of coach you said you refer to yourself more as a coach that you don't like to just stand back and just kind of just let it happen or watch it happen that you want to to You want your your students to get those feels. Now, why do you think that's so much more important than maybe somebody who's just standing behind somebody
1: pounding balls for like a few minutes? I mean, so so here's the thing that I would say in that regard. Um, People have the ability to copy feels. Like once we learn something and we can create something, we see something visually, we turn that into a feel. We now have the ability to start repeating that, especially if it's a feel that we like and we start seeing the golf ball respond. Um, For me, the hardest thing I would say is it's really hard to try and copy thoughts. Like, I don't know how many rounds of golf you've played, but um, how many rounds of golf have you played where you're thinking about technique for 18 holes? None. Okay. Well, then you're one of the smarter human beings on planet <laughs> Earth, dude. Yeah. because Not, most.
0: No. You, need to tell me, you need to talk to my wife, all right? You need to talk to my wife because she will definitely argue with you on that one.
1: Yeah, Well, I'll definitely do that because most, most <laughs> people, most people, what I see is they go, um, well, if my technique's perfect, everything's going to be great out on the golf course. Uh, is that, is that true to a case is technique important? It's huge for sure, but we got to use it in the right way. Um, and what I mean by that is, I don't want you going out and thinking, okay, is my right shoulder here, am I doing this with my elbow the right way or my wrist going where they're supposed to be going and I'm thinking about three or four different things while I'm trying to do something aggressive. Um, like here's a perfect example. If you ever shoot a free throw, are you thinking about what your hand does? I hope You not. want it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like I don't. That. It's it's, it's
0: natural, but but again, you know, you're talking to a basketball coach, so I'm thinking about breaking it down. Not me. It's it's natural. It's just
1: yeah, it's, it's reactionary, Take a for yep. sure. Um, and so for me, I, I wouldn't say that I like to go brain dead on the golf course, but I'm definitely not going to be trying to think about technique. I'm going to be using more visualization skills. Uh, where am I trying to put my eyes? Uh, what am I trying to focus on? How do I create tunnel vision? What do I do to clear my mind? Uh, how do I focus on just the shot and really engulf yourself in the process of the shot as, in, as opposed to just sitting here and thinking about, all the different things that might possibly go wrong with technique. Um, because I can tell you, I've played golf two different ways. I've played golf thinking about all the technical stuff that can happen. And it's not saying that I didn't ever play a good round of golf doing that, but I'll tell you what, it's a heck of a lot harder. Um, and the other thing about it is what, I think when everything's more reactional, I think that's where people respond the best. That's where they perform the best. Um, like a big part of my routine is what I use my practice swings for, in my opinion is that's what I start to create my feels for what the shots are. If I'm trying to hit a draw, I might feel earlier turn with my with my pelvis, with my torso, etc, so that I can get my arms deeper behind me so that it's easier for me to hit that. That's going to be part of the feels that I'm creating in my practice swing. Once I have those feels, now I'm good to go. Now I can take those into the shot and I know what that is. and I'm now now I can go back to focusing on hitting the shot, seeing the height I want it to come out. What do I want the curvature to do? What is my number? That type of stuff, as opposed to, okay, is my, is my handle in a perfect position? What did my wrist do? What did my arm do? Am I turning my left hip enough? Where did my left knee go? Or are my foot pressures? All that stuff, that's what we practice for so that we can trust that. Now, obviously, is that easier said than done right here on a video with you? That's way easier said than done. It does. It takes practice. Like My biggest thing is nobody knows how to practice like they play. Like Truthfully, uh, let me ask you that. What does that mean to you? Practice like you play. How do you do that?
0: Well, as I tell the kids, uh, you know, you try to put them in game type situations, uh, Hey, down by three with, with 10 seconds left, what do we do? Um, uh, but, but you're right. I guess, uh, if game situations are on the course situations, uh, Hey, you you're up against a tree or, you know, you got to get up and down to say par or something like that. And, and, you know, you put those type of fields and those type of pressures on you. I, I would say, you know, that those are
1: like, I guess, game situations or game practice. Absolutely. It makes practice more interesting. Definitely doing that as opposed to just aimlessly hitting golf balls to hit golf balls. That, that's well, one thing I would say.
0: Well, I, yes. And, and you say that. And again, like this, this shit's clicking right here. Like, I'm like, damn, you know, you asked me a good question and I had an answer for you. And I'm like, why am I not practicing those things now as an, as a coach, I guess those, some of the things that from say maybe a a mid handicap or maybe say somebody who's like, maybe like a 10 or eight, are those some of the things that you're kind of refining out there on the range with them? Or are you putting them in like certain situations? Hey, can you get yourself out of this trouble or hit this shot?
1: Yeah. I mean, so let me, let me say this. If I'm evaluating a player, uh, let's say whether it's a, I mean, if it's a a college player or a professional or something like that, it's going to be a slightly different evaluation process than, what a 10 handicap would be or something like that. But I mean, I'm always going to want to start on the golf course with that person. If I have that opportunity to, Uh, I definitely want to start on the course because now I get to see them under the gun where, okay, now one, they're probably more nervous because I'm watching them. So I'm definitely going to see all their, everything that is wrong with what they do, whether it's routine, whether it's the way they view a shot, uh, what they're thinking about, whether it's technique, uh, I'm going to see that on the golf course way more than I'm going to see that on the driving range. Um, other areas, it's just, yeah, I mean, really, the biggest thing is I, I I love, like, for some reason, this is something that always sticks to me is, like, trying to get people to understand, like, what is, like, what is practicing like you play? What does that mean? Because um, we all talk about it, but how do we do it? So like if I, if I dove deeper into that, you cool if I dive into this for a sec?
0: This is what we want because I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get to some of the questions or some of the goals that some people had. I posted on my Facebook group and again, I had the most response. It's hard to pull anything from these guys just to respond to anything. They'll respond to stupid ass memes or, you know, <laughs> the cat saying, hey, hang in there, you know, right. or, <laughs> uh, but to get them to, to respond to something, this was the most like I struck a chord. Hey, like give me your goals. And these are some things that guys want to know. So I got three questions for you. Dive deep into it because man, like I'm, I I have a little pad here. I need this juice, man. I need, this is stuff that people want to know.
1: So, so here's going to be my scenario. So when I, when I say practice, like you play and what I'll do, I I will do this. I'm going to have to find a way to airdrop this video to you. I'll send you a video on what I call practicing. Like you play. Um, if you want to share it with everybody on this podcast or on your site, go for it. So, practicing like you play to me here's what I see like this is what was so great for me I'll say this 2020 was probably the best year of my life because it gave me a time to actually sit down look at myself and evaluate what I was doing as a teacher because without that time I probably I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now talking to you and this is a short time ago this is like seven eight months ago and so when I dove into practicing like a play, I had to start looking at myself first because I always start everything with me because before I test stuff out on players, I'm always going to test it out on me first. And so I started looking at when I was like 16, 16, 17, 18 years old and I'd look how I'd practice and I'd go back to it and it's like, all I ever worked on was technique. So guess how I played golf on the golf course. I thought about technique. Um, like I said, some days I'd shoot 67, some days I'd shoot 77. I was a, I was a roller coaster. Um, and then I start looking at just regular like members that I see on the driving range here, or when I go to other golf courses, vice versa. Here's something I, that I'd say that I never ever see anybody do unless it's a player that I'm coaching, um, and I'm sure there's people out there that do do it, but I hardly ever see this. Is we walk up to the first tee after we warm up, we get loose, or we walk to the driving range. I mean, and we're warming up, we're getting loose, and once we're ready to start hitting shots, and we're going to go quote unquote practice like we play. How many people on the range do you see? The first thing they do is grab their rangefinder, shoot the distance, and say, "Okay, all right, it's 143 to the flag." All right, the wind's into me, hurting. So I'm going to calculate. It's a 10 mile an hour wind. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to add. Uh, I'm going to add 14 yards to that for that 10 percent right there. So this new shot is instead of it being 143, it's now uh, it's now 157 into the wind. That's my carry number. I don't want to go long because I'm going to say longs in the water. I'm going to say <laughs> the bunker on the right is short sided. So I'm going to try and hit a cut to this flag, because that's going to leave my best. That's my best scenario. If I, if I hit it straight, I haven't short-sided myself. I've got a 15, 20 footer for birdie. If I hit the shot that I want, it's right there. And I know that long's out of play I don't see anybody ever do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a a boatload of stuff. I'm just like, Oh, okay. You you got, you had me, you had me at hello. When you said you, bu- you busted out the rangefinder and you're right there, I'm like, okay, that's me. And then once you went there and I was like, okay, no, I'm, I'm done at range finder. You know, yeah. right there, I'm good.
1: So what I see out of most people is they say, okay, where's the, let's say we're working on wedges. They go, all right, there's the nearest flag. So they grab their 56, let's just call it that. They grab their sand wedge. The first one they hit comes up short. So say, okay, well, I've got to hit it a little bit harder. And then eventually we calculate and we figure out what that distance is. From a feel standpoint, here's the issue. We have no idea how far we're carrying the golf ball. So, like, if I see a tour player, I see a college player doing this, I say to him, like, you're wasting your time, in my opinion. Like, what, what's the point of hitting shots like this? Because if you don't know exactly what that golf ball's carrying or at least have a pretty darn good calculated, calculated guess as to what it's carrying, in my opinion, it's useless. And the reason being is, how many times do you go to the golf course and you say, okay, well, at least I've got three shots, so I'm going to hit the first one and see where that ends up, and then I'm going to figure out where the second one might be. The third one, I should be dialed in by now. We don't get the opportunities to do that on the golf course. So for me, I'm always going to try and figure out if I'm practicing like I play, I want to carry it this, it's going to hop forward to X, and I want it to stop right about here if I'm hitting wedge shots. So like if I say, okay, um, I'm trying to hit a... Let's say that 60 yards carry, okay, that's going to be my sand wedge at 9 o'clock slow speed or whatever it might be. Okay, at least now I know Now I know what my length of motion is. I know where I'm trying to hit it. I know how far I'm trying to carry it. And this, to me, this is what gets somebody into what I would call committing to a shot versus guessing because guessing we don't get anywhere in my opinion. Like it's really, really hard to be good at what we do if we're guessing or even worse than guessing is hoping. I hope to God that this somehow gets on the green. I hope to God that this somehow is in the middle of the fairway. Um, But that's what I see most people do. And we wonder why we sit here and we get stuck in these ruts. And the problem is, is, we probably got like five different swing thoughts. And so, okay, today this one didn't work, so I'm going to hop to number two. And now when two's not working, I'm going to hop over to number three. And when three isn't working, I'm going to hop over to four. And if four isn't working now, I'm on five, and then I'm right back to number one. And so then we get caught chasing ourselves in circles, and we wonder why the heck we never move up the ladder. Because we're doing the same thing over and over again, these five things, and we're expecting different results. That's the reason I... Right? That's the definition that, of insanity. That is right there, dude. I, I kid you not. That is the main reason why I have a job, is the definition of insanity. Because people do the same crap over and over again, and they expect different results. It's just now, insane to me.
0: It, and when I was on the range with you the other day, uh, I really – I I used to be such such a negative person. At times when I'm on the court or when I'm coaching, I could point out more of the negatives than the positives.
1: It's easy to do. Thing per-
0: it is it's super easy and one thing in watching you work with one of your students uh man like you had me You had me pumped up I said damn I knew I I knew I should have brought my clothes I knew I should have brought my clothes like damn they're in the truck and I said I don't know I don't know but like you got me energized because of your attitude your positive attitude and you know really it was kind of like your reassurance to your student that it seemed like you were just getting a boatload out of them in such a little time.
1: That's, uh, I mean, here's the, here, this, this isn't just a golf thing. In my opinion, this is a life thing. Every scenario that we're faced with, we get two options. We can either look at it in a positive light or we can look at it in a negative light. And that's, 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 just, that's just a life. That's a life thing right there. I mean, take 2020 for an, ex- for, as an example, how many people are going to say 2020 was crap? I'm going to say like 90%. Of Everybody, that's all. You turn the news on. That's all we hear about is, oh my God, the worst year we've ever had. We've been in a pandemic. I'm stuck at home. Yeah, we get the opportunity. We can say it's crap if we want, or we can say, hey, like for me, I turned it into probably the best year of my life. And the reason being, I used that time effectively, in my opinion, to where I used it to evaluate what I was. I had time to finally sit down and evaluate what I was doing. Um we get the opportunity. It's the same thing in golf. Yeah? We, can, we can stand up on the first hole of a golf course that's lined with houses left and right. We can say, shoot, this is an opportunity to break a window or it's an opportunity to hit a fairway. It's all, it all depends on how we want to view it. And most of us are going to look at it and we're going to be like, holy crap, just please, God, don't break a window. You can go out of bounds. You can go out of bounds, but don't break a window. And and so then you think about it. That's, that's the only thing that this focuses on. This is now focused on, it's not thinking about the fairway anymore. It's thinking about which window and which house do I not want to break? Okay. And so that's where all your attention's focused, focus to, this is where people, we might have a natural dispersion pattern on a driving range. That's generally where I would say most people hit their best shots in golf. Number one reason they don't give a crap. They don't care where it goes because guess what? I can just rake another one and I can fix it if I don't hit it good. That's why I think people make better swings on a driving range. And then as soon as we get to number one T, we add pressure on ourselves. We put pressure on our shoulders and I have to play a good round. And playing with my buddies, I don't want to embarrass myself. I've got to play better. I've got to beat them. And next thing you know, you add so much pressure, and then you look down the fairway and you got houses left and right. And then it's like, oh my god. Um, I'm 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 content if I just hit a, a snake raper off the tee and it goes 100 yards as long as I don't hit a house. And so this thing you know you're not even thinking about hitting a golf shot anymore. You're so focused on avoiding a situation that you don't want to. Like let's say there's water left and OB right or whatever it might be. Our focus is now on this. So we our chance to hit in the fairway when we're saying, "Hey, don't hit it in the water. Oh, don't hit it in the house." Is this type of stuff. That's where our intent is. So either, A, if we think don't hit it in the water, we either hit it in the water, generally, or we hit it so far offline that we're like, how the hell did I even do that? Because our intent now is to try and not hit it in the water. Our intent isn't, hey, well, I want the ball to start here, curve five yards from right to left, and it's going to land in this part of the fairway and hop forward. Nobody ever says that type of stuff. At least I don't hear it very often. They look up I, I-
0: yeah, I, I told, I told, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I totally no, agree good. with you. I totally agree with you. And playing, you know, you see the water to your right and you're just saying, just, okay, uh, it, it's two different types of mindsets. And I totally agree with you in that sense because I tell myself, uh, anywhere but right, you know, yeah. I, I can tell myself anywhere but right. And then I can tell myself, Hey, hit it to the left of the water or hit it right down. Hit it. Let me hit it in this side of the fairway. Yeah. And I, and I find that I get better results when I said, you know what? Let me go for the left side of the ferry as opposed to don't go right. Don't go right. Don't go right. Because guess, then we have a, ten- we have a tendency.
1: Guess what? This hears, this hears, this hears, fairway. Well, like when you said, Hey, uh, go down the right side of the fairway or turn it. This hears the word fairway. It doesn't hear. Don't, it doesn't hear do, it doesn't, hear do it doesn't hear this type of stuff. So when you say don't hit it in the water, what this focuses on now, your intent is all on the water. I don't care what anybody says. You're thinking about water mm-hmm. and water only and either a, like I said, this is where you see the largest dispersions out of not just pros, not just college players. I mean, you see it out of scratch golfers, 10 handicaps, 20 handicaps, because our intent is now All right, the water. Everybody's afraid of that stuff, whether you think about it or not. Like I would challenge everybody the next time they play golf, um, on the very first tee, I want you to close your eyes look down the fairway and then open them. And I want you to tell me what the first thing you see is. And I guarantee you, the first thing I hear people say is they, they say bunker, they say water, they say houses, they say trees. I've, I've had, I've had a handful of students say the fairway. And generally they're kids that are like seven years old who aren't afraid of anything anymore, or they're not afraid of anything yet. Cause they don't know what pain is yet. They don't know what fear is yet. Cause generally speaking, as parents, we're probably trying to keep them away from all that. So that's like, you remember when you were seven years old, you're invincible. You're not afraid of anything at seven, eight, nine, ten. It's maybe when you, get, you get that first yeah, you get that first beasting though. I'll tell you the next time you see a wasp, you're running for the hills. I'll tell you that much.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like it's like it's just stated, heartbreak. They don't know
1: what heartbreak is. They don't 100%. they don't know. So yeah. they're not afraid of anything. So that's why they're like, Oh, well, I see a fairway. I was like, Holy cow, you do? I was like, Well, I see a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what the brain's programmed to do. The brain is programmed to keep us away from fearful situations and try and avoid it at all costs. This is where it takes training of your eyes. What are you looking at? Like one of the things I'll do with a lot of students is I'll say, okay, uh, tell me what your start line is. And they'll say, well, it's this, it's this tree in the distance. And I want to see the ball go right through there. And I'll say, okay, so make a fist like this and make this as small as you can to where you can see through that. And I want you to look at that and tell me what's the only thing you see. Well, obviously, it's start line and you can't see anything else around it. So then you now your intent, that's what we refer to tunnel vision as. If we just take this broad picture right here, we can see everything. We can see there's trees, there's houses, there's OB, there's water, there's whatever it is. And that's what our eyes are going to go to. So that, that's, a, that's a big part of what I would say I teach from a mental standpoint is you have to start training these what you want to see. Like um, I use me as an example unless I'm inside of 60 yards, I'm never looking at target. I'm never looking at where I want my result to be. And the reason being is I start forgetting about my process. I get result oriented. So for me, I always have my eyes up and I have my eyes out. I'm trying to visualize something I want to see the golf ball go through so that that's where my intent is. Now, my intent's up here as opposed to my intent being right at the target where there might be a bunker, or there might be water, there might be something like this. That's what I use like visualization skill wise so that I can start focusing on what I want the golf ball to do, where I want to see it go versus having all this other crap come into my head where I'm like, Oh my God, please don't hit it in the water. Just don't hit it in the- anywhere but the water. So that's well, why
0: I we'll do. see. we'll see. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish, finish. No, I'm, no, sorry. No, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So, uh, Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. And sometimes with the streaming, the timing can be slightly off to where I think, hey, I can speak or not. You know what I mean? So by chance, cool. by chance, I, by chance I cut you off. I apologize.
1: No worries, buddy. Now,
0: now in, uh, I wanted to pick three of these top goals or three of the goals I like the most from that several of the guys were asking in the group. Uh, one of them was from Charlie. Okay. Uh, he's one of my good boys. He's one of my four bros my, in my golf group. How can he'd be more consistent in playing the course than as opposed to playing, I guess the other player
1: that right there's right back to, we get to are the ones that here's, what's so great about golf. Okay. And this is a hard thing to understand. In my opinion, the reason why we focus on other players in my personal opinion is ego. It has everything to do with ego. Everybody's afraid to damage their ego. If you know what I mean by that, Um, we don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of other people. Um, that's just, that's just a viewpoint right there. Like, here's the thing, your buddy that you're playing golf with, is there anything you can do to ruin his round of golf? I mean, I guess you could throw, you could throw stuff at him when he's trying to swing. That would be one way to beat him quicker.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or or maybe say stuff in their backswing or something like that. You know, really break the rules of etiquette.
1: But here's, here's the thing. If, if you're intimidated by your buddy, whose fault is that? That's on you. Okay? Like, here's the thing. You have, you have zero control over anything that this person is gonna do. You have no control over what he chooses for a distance. You have no control over what he chooses for a club. You have no control over the shot selection that he picks. Like there is nothing that you can do to change what this person can do. This is like like one of my one of my least favorite goals that I get from people day in and day out is they they set score goals. And, and for me, that's what I set my whole life growing up. And all you're doing is setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, like if I use this as an example, I remember I had a round of golf one time. I went out and I shot 68. I hit 18 greens, literally played a, a flawless round of golf, and I got beat by three. And the kid that I was playing against, he shot 65. He hit 11 greens. I hit 18 greens. He chipped in three times. And what can I do about that? Not a damn thing. Exactly. There's nothing that I can do. He, I played a better round of golf. Okay. Here's the thing. Long-term, is he going to beat me four rounds, four rounds consecutively? Probably not. It's probably not in odds favor right there, but there's like this, this is one thing that I've completely thrown out the window. One, like forever. I'm not in control of what anybody else does. And for me, I'm not even going to focus any attention on what anybody else does. It's not me saying that I'm going to be cocky or, not say good shot to somebody after they hit a good shot, but there's nothing I can do to change what they do. And that's what's so great about this game is here. The only person that we're competing against is ourself. And we're competing against the golf course and everybody has to compete against the exact same thing themselves in the golf course. And there's nothing that we can do that can interfere with what the other person does. If we're focusing more of our intent on that person, that person's winning all day long. There's nothing we can do about that. And that's the choice that we get to make as a person right there, in my opinion. So uh, for me, like my best piece of advice is learn how to have fun. Learn how to like literally learn how to focus on what you can control, because that is one thing that we can always do. We can control our controllables. We can control our setup. We can control our actions. We can control our process that we take into a golf shot. But the one thing that we can't control is what somebody else does. And if they make if they if they play a better round of golf than us, then I mean, kudos to them. Hats off
0: now right here okay i got a question right here trevor yeah. connor says hello my son had the opportunity to, to take lessons with trevor one of trevor's best ability in coaching in my opinion is the connection he has with his students
1: there you go okay love it yeah shoot hey, man, you awesome. know what? i know Just... connor he's a good cat he's awesome who's who's connor uh he i think he plays out he plays over at gct um, oh, so
0: is, is Sean his dad? Is yeah, Greenkeeper? Exactly, one of the Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's got, got a favorite. nice little game. He's he does, got a nice little awesome. game.
1: Kid's got such a good attitude, too. It's like, and that's like, that's one of the hardest things to teach is attitude, how you perceive stuff. The kid's got one of the best heads on him I've ever met. Like, I love spending time with that kid. He's well, a rock gonna star. Well, I'm going to
0: tell you, it, he wears uh, the Bryson DeChambeau little like, uh, oh yeah, he's Omar got flat bill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, hey. You got to have some game. If you rock and those heads. you've got to have some game, either that, or you're like an 80 year old man, you know, it's, it's either it's one or the other.
1: It's self-confidence right there, my man. Self-confidence. I, I,
0: he's got it. He's got it, man. I guess that comes from the the Trevor Salzman school of fashion, right?
1: Maybe we can call it that, whatever you want to call it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, to, I totally agree with you there because uh, that's one thing for me. That's one thing I always try to tell my kids. And as a coach, Uh, just like you stated, you, you can only control the controllables, and you can, uh, it's something I always tell them. I said, I said, there's three things. I said this to my girls yesterday because yesterday was their last practice, And I'm telling them, and just like you stated and how you talk to your kids and your students and your beliefs is that you're really trying to teach them. Yes. The game of golf, but you know what? And the game of golf is kind of like life. It's a lot of it's like life. You're going to get a bad lie. You're going to get a bad, a bad break. Like you stated a bad bounce, or you're going to get those lucky breaks. And one thing, and three things I told him yesterday, I said, there's three things you can control. Uh Can you be coachable? Uh Can you, uh, your attitude and three, your effort. Yep. Those are things that, that as coaches, we cannot coach. Like yep. if you can't bring those every day, then you know what? You're not going to improve. And it, it seems, it seems like uh, you build your kids up and your students, not only your kids. I mean, cause you were working with like, I think like a 60 year old guy the other day and he left feeling, I mean, feeling like a freaking million bucks, you that's know? And, 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 and I, and I felt that, you know, and I, that gives me goosebumps as a coach, as, as a teacher, like, cause you, you love to see that, you know, that smile, you know, that smirk, you know, that air of confidence. And, and that's the thing that I see that you do with your students. Like whether, hey, they, they might have got, come to you a little broken, but you might have been able to kind of piece them back together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just everything comes back to, in my opinion, is like, why does everybody play golf? What do you, what do you play, what's the main reason you play golf?
0: Honestly, there, there's, two, there's two reasons why. And, and I told you this the other day. It's a way for me to stay close to my dad, even though we're in two different cities. It's just If I'm talking about the game, like right now, I'm, he's on my mind. Yep. on my mind. If I'm chipping, putting, anything having to do with golf, I'm close to him. Yep. And the second one is, is uh, I'm, I'm a 41 year old, uh, five foot four on good days. It's good. the air's got to be real clear, the sky's got to be perfect. Uh, you know, short little Mexican. I can no longer put my heart and effort like into playing pickup basketball, or flag football, because I take shit too personal. I want to get in the fight every time. Amen. So I'm trying to put. This battle and this intensity and my competitiveness I have into something and golf just gives me all of those feels. Golf gives me all those. I can scratch that itch. I can get some of that side action. I can get put some skin in the game, and I get those feels where you know I'm, I want to be in the thick of things. I want to be. I want to compete, and it gives me a still a chance to to cut the mustard.
1: Yep. And and if I one up you one more time right there, all those things to me they all lead back to having fun.
0: I, yeah, I, I, I agree. No, no, it, it, I totally agree. And another one, uh, and that's why I do it because it is, it, it is, it, it's a fun damn game. It is a fun damn game. And like you stated about 2020, uh, I get you. And, and that's why I feel like that's why I wanted you on the show. I said, I knew there was just something about you that just drew me and other people to you. And that's why I'm trying to expose that because I, I think a lot of people look at all the negatives and like all you it. said about 2020, I looked at all the positives because I teach and coach, I put in long hours and luckily enough, I married a coach's daughter and she knows I'm not out there screwing around, messing around Yeah. and because, you know, I would have been divorced like three times already.
1: Hey man, heck yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so I felt like this quarantine this time, it gave, I felt like I gained some years back. I might've lost with my kids and my family. Yeah. We were, we were going on bike rides. We were running, we were taking the dogs out for walks. We were hanging out. We were cooking together, make, you know, making breakfast, just playing game night. We, it had a time to kind of like just really like it, press the pause button. Yeah. And, just, and it was great. Like I, I do not regret this one bit. I do not. I regret, yes, all the health aspect of it. I do. correct. But you Same know what? I, I, I did. I felt like it gave, I gained an appreciation because you know what? I was like, I need my kids. I need the coaching. I need that feel that I can improve and help somebody to be a better person. And I'm sure that was, that was what it was for you because you told me the other day that you, that you don't play competitive golf anymore because you want to teach and coach.
1: Yeah. That's what I've dedicated my life to. Yeah.
0: Well, tell me, so how did you get to be the director of instruction for such a badass network? Because if anyone's stepped on Briggs property or any of these dorming network properties, uh, like they're freaking gold, dude.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, truthfully, the thing that, dr- the thing that really drove me to come in here was, I mean, my first visit here back in 2013, um, the driving range, dude, as soon as I saw the driving range, I was like, yeah, I could, I could, I could definitely make this place home. Um, the driving range is just epic here. Like, I mean, you've got literally, you can hit every shot that you could ever imagine at this driving range in my opinion. it's 20 acre driving range. Uh, Zeon Zoysia It's like perfect hitting surfaces, lots of trees in the, in the, um, in the hitting area out there. So you can be creative. You can build your own fairways. Uh, that's the thing that really drove me to that place. And that was, that was back in 2013 when I moved back here from China and I've been here ever since.
0: Now tell me out of the Dormy network courses, and you can't say Briggs because that's your home base. What course is your favorite within the network, I guess our second favorite within the network,
1: uh, Dormy club in Pinehurst by far. Just awesome layout. And, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of core Crenshaw golf courses. Uh, what I like about what core Crenshaw does is how they mix up par threes. Like there's always a long par three. There's always a really short par three. So like when you go to these, when you go to core Crenshaw courses, most of them that I've played is you have a, you have a very different variety of shots that you hit into par threes. Like I, my, Truthfully, one of my favorite, favorite types of holes in all of golf are short par threes. I love, I love having like a little wedge in my hand, for a short par three, crazy green, where you've got to be precise with it. Like that's my, that's my favorite stuff right there. And that's what Cork Crenshaw does in dormy clubs. Epic. I mean, they've got one par three that I think it's hundred and it's 112 yards
0: those, awesome. those, mess, those mess with me i'd rather have like i'd rather have like 150 160 so i can take like a full like seven iron you know or a full like eight those it's, it's, it's a lot of touch you know it's a lot of little touch
1: dude it makes you think a lot you're sitting there you're like okay it's 110 yards should i tee it up should i not tee it up i don't know i've never really <laughs> teed up a sandwich before so so it, just, yeah. it makes you think a lot more that's what i like about what crenshaw does
0: and as, as i've gotten older I, I like that. I like that about courses that really make you think. Yeah, and that's what that's, that's where the game gets, that's where the game gets fun and that's where you know you have to be creative. Absolutely. Uh, now now one thing about your golf club when you go in there it's like you, you hear the heaven here ah you know you hear the heaven's open up because and luckily enough I was there to meet you on a great day. Uh, they, I guess they were doing like executives versus executives or they were playing some yeah. sort of executive game and they had the pit going. They had some mesquite burning over there. They, you know, like I was just like, damn. I said, you know what? I was like, this really is like a heavenly place. I mean, man, you got some good BBQ, you know, on the grill going on over here.
1: It's class I, A the way they do it, dude. It's as like, it's, good yeah, it's uh, as it, good it,
0: as it, it gets. It, it, it looks really nice. I like how they have, I guess, what are those those cottages or right yeah, there? That's across yeah, the
1: street. The does, yeah. Uh, yeah, currently we've got we've got 24 beds on property. Currently, we got nine more casitas. We're getting ready to build, so we're gonna have 60 beds on property by sometime in 2020. Oh, that's 2021. That's Sorry, 21, 2021. I'm still trying to get used to saying 2021.
0: Right, right, that's what I'm saying, man. You know what? Uh, still, 2019 is what I'm really. That's my go-to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one in doubt. 2019. All right,
0: All right I got I got one more one more one more goal right here. Uh, Esteban uh, Rob- Roblendo, he said he wants to be more consistent on the tee. And that's the major weakness of his game. What are some things that you could do to help you, I guess, get more consistent?
1: Number one tea? is number one is create a ball pattern, uh, a ball pattern that you can trust. And, like, for me, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very willing to say this to everybody right now is I'm always going to try and get a player initially too far under the plane. I'm going to try and get them too far inside out to where they're hitting start right draws, because that's when I can then teach them how to rotate to where we can zero everything out. Um, and again, the reason I say that is if you look at tour players, what are most tour players misses? Do they miss it left or they miss it right?
0: I think what, or I mean,
1: they generally I, overdraw it.
0: I, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Cause they, they're, they're trying to draw because I guess if you draw uh, from what I hear, you get more yardage, I
1: guess if, if you, if you're drawing or, yeah, generally, because the, the face is closing down more. Mm-hmm. So you look at, let's just, so tour players, they miss, their miss is they overdropped. Okay, we look at the average golfer, what's their miss? Oh, slice, the right, you know? Oh, yeah. Four right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, for right. Four right, okay, so it's a, it's a big, big, big slice right, so that's typically, it's going to be someone who doesn't turn very much in the backswing, arms come over the top, they steepen it out, and they create a lot of spin on the golf ball, so my number one thing I would say, if you want to become a better driver of the golf ball is make sure you're swinging inside out, make sure you're at least on plane or under the plane. Cause that's going to give you the ability one to hit up on the golf ball. And two, it's going to give you the ability to draw it. And number three, you can start turning that into a ball pattern.
0: Okay. Now you say that. So as we talk about an inside out swing, I'm going to show a clip of one of your students. Okay. Cool. And it's, 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 you showed it to me. And at first glance, I looked at it and I was just like, well, what's wrong with it? And I said, hold on, let me look at this again. And then I'm starting to see some kind of little funky things in here, you know, which yeah. gives a guy like me hope. It gives a yep. guy like me hope. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and hit this video.
1: Can make. Beautiful.
0: Okay. Now I don't think people got, got a good impression of that because of maybe how, how strong the clip was. So, uh
1: can it. you tell can me a little bit it. about his? Can you do it one more time? I didn't, I, I didn't show up on my feed.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe let's see. Just try this right here.
1: You can make. Beautiful. Yeah, so everybody, so let me ask you I'm, I'm going to ask you first. What's your take when you first see that?
0: Okay. In watching the video, I noticed uh, his hands as he hit his take back, or how his hands, there's something that kind of goes with his hands on his takeaway. Um, and I, I guess I kind of noticed that as he kind of rounds as he's going up to the top, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe like how, maybe like how, I guess I'd say like it's a, it's a, it's a different fight, different version of, of Matthew Wolf, maybe not so drastic, but I, I guess, I don't know if it's something having to do with his hands as he brings it in or his hip really rotates something of that nature. That's what I initially I saw.
1: Yeah, so yeah. So if you look at them, I'm looking at this swing right now as we talk about it. So the first thing, like, so one of the hardest things in teaching is when do you take something away from a player and when do you just kind of build on what they do naturally? So number one, this guy hits the ball pretty solid to begin with. He hits the, he hits the center of the face almost every time. So he's got a pretty darn good pattern as far, a pretty darn good release pattern to where he's making solid contact almost every time. However, obviously, we see the club, it gets way across the line at the top. It gets way across the line. What he struggles with is when he gets across the line at the top And his, I don't know how to do this sitting down, sorry, but when he gets across the line at the top and his hands start moving closer to his head, that's when he starts to get in trouble because that means that he's not turning enough in his backswing to where he doesn't have adequate handle depth. Um you think about it. So that iron shot that you looked at right there, that was a 7-iron that he carried almost 200 yards. That's a regular lofted 7-iron. That's a 35-degree 7-iron. That's, mm. that's not a 28 or 29-degree 7-iron that's actually a 6-iron or a 5-iron. Um, that's a, it's a normal lofted 7-iron. So you think about it. One of the advantages to what he does, and he obviously has the ability to repeat it, This is not me saying that I teach every single person to do this at the top. That that I want to make clear. I don't tell, (laughs) I've never told anybody to do this. He brought that to me naturally and I just decided not to take it away. So he brought that to me naturally. But if you think about it, so when he's got the club across the line right there, what's it doing is it starts to shallow out and it moves back this direction. How much speed is that golf club picking up as it's moving in that route? It's like if you had a, if you had a, Oh, um, what are those called? Like, you know, like the, the rope and stuff that you throw at cattle and stuff like yeah, that. That's whenever you, yeah. So yeah, as you're doing this, that's picking up momentum. That's picking up mm-hmm. speed. That's one of his hugest. That's one of his biggest speed levers right there is the movement of the club going from across the line back to shallow. We just have to make sure that he does that where he's got enough handle depth because he knows how to get the golf club back inside. His problem is, is when he gets it too close to his head, He drops it inside his hands get too far out and he has to pull across it and so he struggles with a two-way miss when he doesn't turn enough on the way back which then doesn't create enough handle depth for him and then from there now we just got we've got work to do more with his spine to where we can get his we can get his lower spine elongating more so that he can turn his pelvis better and the dude throws he throws almost a zero face-to-path relationship at it every single time he hits one of the straightest golf balls you'll ever see the way, that's
0: he's, what, a big, he's a big dude, he's a big dude as well. Is, is he like a mid amateur player or exactly? What?
1: Yeah, he'd be he would be closer to like a scratch golfer. He wants to start competing in more like, yes, yeah, so he wants to try and play in some USGA events, that type of stuff this year. And the guy's got all the speed in the world to do it. and He makes it look really easy. But my point being, and, and this isn't just me knocking coaches or anything like that, because here's the thing when we're coaches and I want everybody to understand this is coaches, all we're trying to do is we're trying to help a person out. Like I don't believe in looking at somebody else and saying, oh, well, what that guy's doing is crap. Because that's not fair to that person. Because that person's actually trying to help him out. I mean, I, I, go, I deal with it all the time with stuff that I post on social media where people get on there and say, oh, that sucks. That's terrible. I mean, how could you ever teach something like that? I mean, <laughs> it used to bother me. I could give a crap now what anybody says. It doesn't, doesn't make a difference to me because I'm just trying to help the person that I'm trying to help. But in his, in his instance, you'd look at that, and most coaches are probably going to try and change that position of where that club is at the top. Um, I'm not going to because he, he gets that golf club back to shell. I'm just trying to make it get into a slightly better position at, at P5, P6 to where we can actually start to use turn more to his advantage, which might speed him up more, but more importantly, it gives him more of an ability to repeat a, a softer draw, you could call it, or a straight shot. Because most people probably look at that swing and say, "Oh my God, that's going everywhere." The guy's got one of the best ball patterns you'll ever see.
0: He he freaking bombs it. And again, just from seeing like somebody that has a different type of swing, like a Matthew Wolf and even Ricky Fowler, I think I think his swing's a little funky. And then DJ with you know his wrist his wrist turn or his right. wrist flip. And you know what? There there's so many different ways to get the job done. And so that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm curious to, to how, like, how these guys make their swing work and me too. Like I have a I would like to think I have a different practice swing than I do have a swing, you know, that I actually, where I'm making contact with the ball. And I'm trying to get, you know, some of those feels here. And that's something I was, I was talking with my wife. I said, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this podcast. Uh, You know, because again, I I'm one of these golfers that I've never worked with an instructor. I may have been evaluated by one, like on a track man, and obviously gone to golf galaxy and stuff. And then uh, I was evaluated by my buddy Ray Garza with on Par golf out of mission, Del Lago. but I've never really had, you know, like some real like golf instruction. And so one of the, my, one of my golf goals for this year is to actually like get some instruction, you know, but again, I'm such a mind. I'm such a, I'm such a, I'm such a mind case that uh, I, I'm like, you know what? Hey, I, I've won a couple of tournaments in a row right now. Game's feeling good you know, uh, confidence. I'm real confident right off the tee box. And I said, I'm, I'm I don't want to mess with anything right now.
1: Okay. There, right here. What you're talking about right there. This is something that every single person should take to heart. Yeah. Okay? Do not fix what's working. Do not fix. If, it, if everything is going exactly how you want it to go and you look at your golf swing on video and you say, Oh God, I wish my arm was in a better position there though. Dude, it is that is in my opinion, that is the kiss of death. Like, don't fix what's working. Until there is a reason that it's not creating the ball pattern that you want or it's not creating the start line, the curvature, the height, et cetera, and you're not getting to the numbers that you're trying to get to, don't fix it. Literally, play golf. Get better at getting to certain distances. Get better at practicing more like you play. Do the things that are going to make you play better golf because you're already swinging it good. You're hitting it good. You're hitting shots that you want to hit. Don't fix what's working. Um, work on things that are gonna help better what you're already doing good, like practicing like you play, bettering your routine, getting better at course management, um, getting better distance control. Uh, start working on getting to numbers. Like that's one of my favorite games to do with a bunch of my players is is I'll say to them, okay, we're gonna, we're just gonna go randoms and I'll throw out there. I'll say, okay, 173 uh, is the random, and I'll give you, plus or minus three on either side. Okay, I will say if you're taking the plus three, that means you're trying to take short out of play. If you're taking the minus three, you're trying to take long out of play, but it has to fall inside of the, that three-yard three area right there. And that right there, that's, to me, one, is it fun? It's really, really fun because all of a sudden this has now turned practice into a game, which I think more people should do stuff like this because you'll notice next thing you know you've been out there for three hours. You'll be like, oh, my God, it's been three hours? I started at 2, it's, it's 5 o'clock. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you get better right there. If you're going out there and you're like, Oh my God, has it been an hour yet? Has it been an hour yet? Screw it. I'm just going to, I'm just going home or whatever. I'm going to go play golf or because I'm not practicing very good. That just means you're not having fun. You don't know how to structure your practice. Uh, it also means that you probably you, like, again, I'm, I always go back to this. You don't know how to practice like you play because those are the types of things that will make you better. So if you're hitting the golf ball good, you're creating patterns that you want to create. Everything's going the way that you want it to go. Don't fix it. Like I, I again, you, you not were talking,
0: to... you were talking, you were talking to me about tiger. You were talking to me about tiger when we we're out there on the range about how he changed some things when he was with butch and that like, he was always tinkering, you know, he was always tinkering yeah. when, and I, I know it drove you nuts. It drove you nuts about how tiger did that
1: yeah uh well uh, here here's one thing that I will tell you that that it's probably one of the one of the best life lessons well not life lessons. It's probably one of the best golf lessons that I've ever had for myself. so I got the opportunity in two thousand and i believe it was two thousand seven it may have been two thousand and eight. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was when the world Golf Championship was at Dove Mountain in Tempe arizona, and so it was the match play, and I got the opportunity to go watch him hit golf balls on the range for about three hours, roughly. And I remember he did two things that I've never seen any human being in my entire life ever do. It's something I incorporate to the way that I teach right now. So the first thing he did for this three hour practice session, this dude teed up every golf ball that he hit. Best player in the world, hands down. I remember watching him peg almost every single golf ball in the ground. And I'm going, that's kind of weird. Like um, the guy hits the ball better than any player on planet Earth right now, and he's teeing up golf balls on the driving range. Why would he do that? So I remember asking myself that question. The second thing he did, he, for about forty-five minutes, he was making full back swings, full through swings with a seven iron, but he was only hitting them about thirty yards. And I remember going, he's got Vijay Singh to his right. He had Stuart Appleby to his left and they're just pelting the flag. I mean, literally every golf ball looks like it's going to go in there. They hit the golf ball so straight and here's tiger making full swings and he's chipping golf balls, 30 yards. And I'm sitting here going, I'm like 21 or 22 at the time. And I'm going, what in the world's he doing there? Like, why is he, why is he making a full swing and shots going 30 yards? And he proceeds, he does this for like 30 minutes. And then, after that, then he starts hitting, starts hitting seven irons that start carrying about 100 yards, and then they start carrying about 125 yards, and then they make it up to about 150 yards. And he does this all the way up until he gets to what his full throttle seven iron is. So what people don't realize about Tiger is, in my opinion, I think what he was doing, I've heard this from other people as well, is this dude changed his golf swing four times a year prepping for majors. And so the only way that he could actually make that change, I mean, because you you think about it, from the Masters to the U.S. Open back then, you had about a month. And then from the U.S. Open to the British Open, you had about a month. And then the British Open to the PGA, you had about a month. So you've only got one month to, if you're going to change your golf swing, you don't have very much time to get it ready to compete at the highest level that anybody's ever going to compete at. And so he used slow motion cadence work to where, he would find the feels that he wanted to. And when they repeated at 10% backswing, 10% through swing, then he'd move it up to 10% backswing, 30% through. And then up to 1050 and then up to 1070 and then all the way up to like 1090 or whatever his full speed was. And that's how he progressively got through change significantly quicker. And now we sit and we look back at most of us. What are we doing? We're grabbing our 7-iron and we're saying, hey, I hit, mine, I hit mine like 190 yards. I hit it 200 yards. How far can you hit it? And then we're just going Mach 10 as we're trying to make change, and we wonder why we never get anywhere because we never actually give ourselves time to slow it down enough to where we can actually learn what those feels are, and then we can say, okay, well, if I can do it at 10 percent speed, I can probably bump it up to where I can do it at 30 now. It's just like this. Like, what's the first? What'd you What'd you learn how to do before you learned how to run? You just just wake up and start exactly. Okay, yeah, had to crawl. You had to walk. Everything's a progression. Everything's a process. We don't just go from from point A to result, there's there's things that have to fit in between there in order for us to be successful. And if we wanna get better at making change, one of my biggest things that I'd say to everybody is learn how to do it slow first. Stand in front of a mirror, learn what the actual movements in motion are firstly in front of a mirror so now you know what it looks like, now you know what it feels like, now you can take that to the driving range and start to experiment with it or video it and see if it's looking like the picture that you painted in front of a mirror. Dude, that's one of the biggest reasons why nobody gets anywhere with changing their golf swing is cuz they they never give themselves the time and they never allow themselves to slow it down to where they can actually physically make change. In well, my well,
0: w- well, you say you say that and it's a professional opinion. So, so that ain't just anybody's opinion. That's a that's a professional opinion. And in stating that, you're not the first person I've heard, you know, a lot of good golfers and guys that are uh, you know, Two handicaps, three handicaps, those are things. Hey, get some mirror work in. Get some mirror work in, you know, and, and they're like, Hey, just get in front of the mirror. And, you know, you just like you, like you stated. And, and those, those are some things that, that we as a, you know, 10 handicap like myself, 10.3, uh, that, that those are some things that we don't do. But when we do do, when we do do some of those things, we are getting some of those feels and some of those swing patterns that we are looking for. Now switching, switching gears a little bit here, a little bit lighter side of golf.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite golf movie? Oh my God, by far. (laughs) By far, it's Caddyshack. There's no doubt. It'd be the original favorite character. Um, Oh, Bill Murray in that movie is just epic. Like, there's nothing better than that. Carl. Yeah. Carl. Carl (laughs) Carl is epic. The Havocamps. (laughs) (laughs) My
0: my favorite is when he's like, hey, (laughs) what did he say? He's like, hey, Dolly. You know, what about something for my trouble?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. I absolutely love that. The second one almost ruined it though, dude. I,
0: I like this. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I never saw the first, I saw the second one first. Cause I'm 41 years old. I saw the second one first and I actually like the second one. I'm not a Jackie Gleason or Mason. I can't remember which Jackie it is, but, uh, I, I like it. And I, I love, I love, uh, I love Chevy Chase's character. You know, he always plays great. Ty Webb, you know, like, yep. I love his just non- nonchalant and his one line. epic, he, epic. You know, he, he, he's telling Jack Artunian, he goes, hey, Jack, by chance, do you have a sister? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, you're a cute guy. By chance, do you have a sister? And he's like, no.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The first one's pretty good, dude. I, I, I thought the second one was, wasn't quite as good as the first one, but uh, Caddyshack's epic. Tin Cup would be a very close second. Ten cups, pretty cool.
0: Roy McAvoy, hey oh, Texas, yeah. that's in Texas, Texas man.
1: Absolutely, Texas boys.
0: All right, okay. Next thing, outside of Briggs Ranch, favorite golf course in this area or in the South Texas area.
1: Brackenridge. Now, why? In this area, I love that. I, I just, it's a cool old school golf course. I think it's one of the best golf courses for juniors to learn how to play golf on. Brackenridge is awesome.
0: It it is. It's a charming and you can feel, uh, you know, if you're into this game and you love and love this game and this game does a lot of the things that it does for me, you know, gives me those feels. It gives me a chance to compete. It keeps me close to my dad. You can kind of feel like there's there's a lot of spirit in that course. You know, there's a lot of charm. There's a lot of charm in it. The game of golf, you know, like in those early days, like it's got a lot of those, those ghosts there, you know, and you, you really feel it when you see the little quaint little clubhouse, you know, little brick, the little brick club out there. And, uh, you get it. You see those square greens, the tilling house, ha-
1: know, house, you know, it's golf awesome. Course. It's awesome.
0: All right. Now out of all the courses that you've played all around the world, which is probably your course that that might be your
1: favorite out of all of them, Augusta national,
0: you played Augusta.
1: Yeah. How did you get on? I can't tell you. Otherwise, I'd, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to break a rule. I couldn't tell. I can't tell uh,
0: you. Okay. Hey, I like you. you but you're supposed to say I'd have to kill you. You know, like, I tell you, but I'd have to kill you.
1: Yeah. Augusta National.
0: All right. Are the greens lightning fast? Uh,
1: yes, they're unbelievably quick. Uh, the undulation on the greens there are what will just absolutely blow your mind. Like, you, you see stuff on TV. You might even see stuff in person. So I'll, I'll give you one scenario if you're cool with it. No, go for it. Okay, so number six, par three. Um, there's that big hump on the right side of the green where sometimes they put the pin up on top on the top right. So there's that huge hump. The day I was playing it, the pin was back left. And so I, mis- I miscalculated the wind. It was like 170. I figured it was downhill enough. I thought I could hit a, like a, a pretty hard draw nine iron and get it there. It lands right in the middle. Of that slope comes all the way off the back front right, of the, or the front right part of the green. And I remember walking up to it, and it looks like this, the slope in this green that I'm going over, it looks like it's about five feet up in the air. And I'm like, God dang. I'm like, I have no idea like, what I could even attempt to do with a putter right here. And my caddy looks at me, and he says, what you thinking? And I was like, I, was like, I don't know how I could even remotely ever get this close because it's breaking probably 25 feet, maybe more. And it's just got, it's just like up, down, left, right. It's just crazy how much movement it had. And I said, I said, I think the only way that I can somewhat get this close is if I chip it. And if I hit like a spinner, he's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, what you need to do, he's like, I want you to, I want you to hit it about 20 feet right of the pin. I want you to fly the green, land it in the fringe and spin it. And if you spin it enough, it should just funnel down to the left and it should leave you about five feet. And I was like, it's like fly the green with my chip shot. And land it in the fringe with spin and let that slope take it down to the left. I was like sitting here, I was going, okay, so basically I've got to land this on a dime that's going, (laughs) that I have to to carry this pitch like 35 yards and spin it, make it go left and then try and keep that up. So I missed my spot by five feet and I had a 45 footer left.
0: (laughs) now 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 in play we just recently had a two-man event there at golf club of texas and i like it when my partner he said hey man you carried me you carried me and you know in in these two-man events it's really it's like a give and take hey you just can't suck at the same time depending on what the format is right right and we're playing a scramble and he tells me he goes "Oh, just, just put it right there you know put it right about 10 feet to the right of the hole and i'm like this dude, if, if I could do that on the rig, I wouldn't be here with you playing in a freaking $25 buying it. Like, just like, give me a break, you know? Well, okay. Next thing. Now we talked about some of your favorite cities. Yeah. You said you love, you love desert golf and you love Vegas. Yeah. What is it about desert golf? And what is it about Vegas that just does it for you?
1: I mean, Vegas, I don't know what it is. I I don't like, my wife and i like truthfully we were like oh where should we go sometimes we'd just be like let's just go to vegas uh there's vegas baby I, vegas baby i don't know why i don't i don't know what it is i've always i've always i've been going to vegas probably since i was 21 uh i don't drink anymore so it's not the drinking thing that i like going to vegas um, but i just there's something about i don't know maybe it's gambling i mean cuz i've gambled a lot obviously when i played a bunch of golf and so i enjoyed that part of it um, you like those pressures, right? You like that. You like raising that blood pressure, don't you? It's a, it makes it fun, yeah. That's my competitive nature, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, but desert golf, I, I love the way that like the desert frames a golf hole, especially if you get like rye grass popping in the winter, and so you got this bright green up against the the stone. You got all, the rock, cactus, all that type of stuff. Uh, I just I've always liked the way that looks for some reason. Like it's just, in, in my opinion, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so I've always liked, I've always liked, uh, golf courses that are desert golf courses, just from a, a view standpoint, like if you ever go to Dubai, it's crazy. Like playing golf over there and, and, and Dubai is pretty cool. It
0: looks, it looks amazing. Now being, uh, in the, working in the Scottsdale area, have you played, uh, the course at, uh, the waste management? Yes, I have. What, what's that? What, what is that course called? TPC. I, I, it,
1: it's a okay. TPC Scottsdale.
0: We see Scottsdale. Okay. Now, uh, 16, 16 hole, the yep. big party hole. Uh, what would you hit there? Let's say it's playing, uh, let's say, it, cause it's normally in real and, and honestly, it's, it's kind of, it
1: plays short a lot of times, right? Yeah. It's about 150, 150, 55 yeah, yards. Like, usually
0: Yeah, like one forty. I think I, one time I saw it was like one forty-eight, and I was like, Oh, I got that club in the bag. Yeah, I got that club in the bag. So, so what are you normally hitting there? If it's uh, a one,
1: like one fifty-five out. So if I was 155 out normal conditions without without 30,000 people in the stand screaming and knowing that I'm going to get, I mean, absolutely flame and yawned if I miss the green or something like that. <laughs> uh, normal conditions, I'd probably hit a nine iron there. Uh, I would guess if I got into a scenario like that, I'd probably be able to hit a pitching wedge with adrenaline going because um, that would be a scenario like I. I I've been to I've I've hit I've hit shots there with the grandstands up before and even with just the grandstands there you're looking around and you're going holy crap. Like this should be one of the most basic straightforward easiest shots to hit in golf. The green's fairly it's not like it's a tiny green either. And but you throw 30,000 people that are hammered that are screaming that are screaming this and you know if you miss the green like they should probably be in jail for some of the things that they're saying to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it look, um, it, look, it looks like an e- it does it looks like an easy hole but it, i guess it's the aesthetics and the oh, visual it's, just, it you know, the like picture it, it's a coliseum painted. now
1: it's it, literally it's a coliseum you're Especially, right you're right it
0: is a coliseum it's like uh, hey you're like stepping in you're like stepping into ancient rome right there you're, 100%. You know, you're right there it is and Man, like when, that's, a, that's a good point
1: like when you like when i was there in like 08 09 uh 2007 to 2009 like it just kept getting bigger and the next year it'd get bigger and i, I mean now i look at it and it's like holy crap you got like a triple decker there i mean
0: it looks bad it looks it looks badass that's that's one place i've covered the dell i've covered Valero open and that's really that that's one place that i'm hoping that my podcast is able to take me to next you know i'd love to go and be part of up in that mix like, all right tr- next thing Truthfully, it, the, only,
1: the only thing they haven't done there they just need to build a hotel on top of it that's the only thing they're missing there in scottsdale on 16 is put a hotel on top of that oh, <laughs> man
0: right this this really make it or maybe like go like you said triple maybe one more like an open kind of kind of like a kind of like how they have it uh, at the diamondbacks or like in colorado they got right. that pool you know got a little jacuzzi little area right there
1: absolutely you know, I'm all about that hospitality. Like, I'm surprised they haven't put a jacuzzi up there yet, dude. It, that place is crazy. That is they, crazy you know, during could, tournament it, week. It, 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 could, it
0: could be. It, it, looks, it looks sick. I'm, I'm really excited for it. That's one of the best tour stops in town. It's a fun. I love how, uh, how I love the tournament. I love how the guys, and they wore the Kobe jerseys last year. A yeah. lot of them, you know, rec- recognizing, you know, giving Kobe his props because he passed away. Yeah. And uh, I, I, do, I do love that. Now, tell me, craziest golf story.
1: Holy cow! This is hard, dude. Craziest I, I, golf story.
0: just pick one. I, I know you've been in the game a while, so just pick one.
1: Craziest golf story. Um, holy cow! This like in in what in what frame would you say? Like, are you saying like uh, unbelievable score wise, or are you saying like just one like of the this, craziest shots that I've ever seen somebody hit? Maybe.
0: The- no, maybe like this craziest golf memory, like you know. Okay, all right, here uh, you go.
1: This here here's my best one. So this is back in high school. I was playing golf. It was me. It was one of my buddies on on my golf team, and his dad. And we got paired with we got paired with this guy. We were playing at Valley View in Layton, Utah, and we got paired with this older guy. And my friend's dad literally he just sculled every single shot. If he was in a bunker, it was boom, he was hitting a home run, like sculled every single bunker shot for like eight holes. And we get to number 18. It was our last hole. Uh, We only played the back nine and we're on 18. And I remember he's over in the, the green side bunker and he's probably got a shot that's no more than 20 feet. And the other guy that the other guy that we're playing with, he's over in the bunker across the other side of the green. So he hits his shot out on the green. Ball rolls up, I don't know, 15 feet or something like that. And he's turning around. He's raking he's raking a shot. And my friend's dad takes this huge backswing, skulls it, and it literally comes out. And it's beelining at this guy that just hit his bunker shot that I don't even remember. I, don't, I didn't even know what his name was. Uh, it's beelining at him. And, and my friend's dad, his name was Doyle. He goes, yo, dude. And the guy turns around, takes one step out of the bunker, and the ball clocks him right in the ankle. Clocks him in the ankle. The guy falls over, falls on his golf bag, breaks the leg of his golf bag. And Doyle looks at him, I remember, and he turns around, rakes the bunker, and just left his clubs and walks straight to the truck, said nothing. (laughs) 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 And I remember I've got like a five-footer, and I've got sunglasses on. I've got tears coming out of my eyes. I feel terrible for laughing because this (laughs) guy's got a knot on his ankle that's like this big. And so we're carrying uh. his clubs off and I remember we get to the truck and Doyle's just sitting in the driver driver's seat of the truck. And he goes, I swear to God, boys, I do any more compadre drop. And I'm done with this game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> compadre drop me. That one I'll, I'll
1: never forget. That was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen on a golf course right there.
0: All right. Last one of the last questions here, I call it beyond the stakes. It's just a little controversial, controversial subject. And in speaking with you again, you were giving me so much good stuff that uh, I'm hoping I was able to relay it out or we were able to relay it out on the podcast.
1: How come there's no PGA right next to your name? Um. Well, oh, for for one reason, I was in the PGA initially. Um. I remember one of the reasons. So when I went to go test out of level one, uh, this would have been back in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like that. And I remember I went into I went into it with what my philosophies were for teaching. Now, obviously, we had books that we we're supposed to read. Now to be fair to everybody else, I don't learn very much from reading books. Like I learn by doing things. That's just, that's just how I learn. So I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody else if they do learn from reading books. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash the PGA in that regard, but I failed the, I failed the teaching portion of the PGA, the, the, the test that I had to take, because I said what my views were on ball flight laws. I said, face controlled, start direction, path controlled, more curvature. And that wasn't the right answer. And they didn't like that. And so Obviously, I ended up changing it to where I would pass the test. Okay, so be it. For some reason, it just left a sour taste in my mouth, and then I ended up moving to China, and so I just I never got never got back into the PGA. And here's the thing: I would say I would say this is the PGA good. It's great. It's great for a lot of people. Um, for me, I just learn more by doing things on my own, uh, testing stuff out, trying to understand more about anatomy, the body, how I think things work, uh, like one of my favorite things to do at night is I just look at golf swings as boring as that sounds. That's just something that I absolutely love. I mean, my wife probably thinks I'm crazy because I could just sit and look at golf swings. I finished up, I finished up teaching for an entire day and I come home and that's what I do. I I look at more golf swings. I respond to other people who send me golf swings, of their swing. Um, That's just what I love doing. But yeah, that's my reasoning right there. i honestly, I, I got, I failed the portion of the, the teaching portion of the PGA back in like 0, 08 or something like that. And I was like, I can still do whatever I want to do.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know if you've made it. So, you know what I see? Th- I still think you got a ways to
1: go. Well, I'm still working on it. <laughs> still working on all right.
0: It. Now, now, now tell me out of all the students you have, what's maybe something that you're most proud of, or maybe what student uh, that you can tell like, Hey, that's, that you're going to hear, you're going to hear their name later on.
1: Uh, this girl, Gabriella McNally that I coach. So I've, I basically, she was one of the first players that I actually got to almost create from the beginning to where she is right now. And she, uh, she's got a scholarship. She's playing golf at Kansas state uh, up in, obviously up in Kansas. And so, I mean, she's, she's got, she has a mindset on her. Unlike anybody else I've ever coached or it. like, when you say that you never give up, that's her, never quit. That's her. Like we talk about what we like to see for as coaches, what we like to see out of our players. She has everything. She has the work ethic. She has the determination. She has the commitment. She's got, she's got the right head on her. Like it's, it, I I think she's a, she's a player you'll see on the LPGA tour. I'll say, I'll go that far. I, I, I truly believe that she will play golf on the LPGA tour.
0: That's, that's what I want to hear. Like players like that, and I think if, if you've ever watched this show or listened to this show or you're you're enriching the game of golf, you hear that word constantly used, grind. Yeah. And and when you're out there, you know it just hey. Uh you know what my dad used to tell me when driving stick ship, hey, can't find it, grind it. You know, and, and <laughs> absolutely and Hey, and, and, and that term happens a lot with golf, you know, uh it's just in life, you know, it's just uh seeing out seeing you out there and, and and then when we talked and we spoke and you're like, Oh, I'm on the course so many hours, so many hours, you know, even as a coach, you're grinding it out there and you're grinding it out there with your players. And I think that's what I just, I love about, I love watching you coach. You just, you know, you know, how it is when you, you love to see, you love to see coaches coach, Absolutely. you know, get in their element, get lost in that moment. And you know, it get lost with your student in that moment. And and I love, I love watching you just interact. Uh, like I said, I think it was something different that I hadn't seen, and that's why I like watching your videos. Is because you are you're very hands on, trying to give your your students and your players those feels, those feels, so they can try to duplicate those.
1: Because as a coach, you always want your players or your students to be able to correct and fix themselves. Bingo! That is that is. I'm so glad you said that because the one thing that I would never want any player of mine to ever think is okay, I'm going to give you information, but I'm not going to give you as much as what I should give you because I want you to come back and pay me again. Like, and that's, that's the one thing, like if you're teaching for money, if that's your main reason for why you're teaching, you shouldn't be teaching. That is like your, your job, your job is to help people get better. Uh, And that like, literally that is my, that is my, like what I've committed in my opinion, that's what I've committed my life to. Is my, my goal in life is to help get as many people as I can better at this game, better at life, uh, as many as I can. Like that's that is like that's the stuff that excites me. Like if you're doing this for money, to go find something else. You can go 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 up to Wall Street or something. You can make tons of money doing stuff like that. Um, for me, I, I don't think coaches should be in this type of stuff just for money. In my opinion, otherwise you're you're definitely doing it for the wrong reason.
0: Well, I'm gonna tell you, you're doing it for all the right reasons because you know what? That's why you're that's why you're where you're at. And I think just from somebody who's from the outside looking in, I always say this to my kids. I said, "Hey, from the inside looking out, uh, or the outside looking in, you don't understand it. From the inside looking out, you can't explain it. Yeah. But I but if I think you're a coach and you're in this line of work. Uh, you can see it. You can see it from your. I'm telling you, you that you're one student.
1: Hey, I think you cut out. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no,
0: that's me. It's me. My, my earpod went up. You're good. Uh, your student left feeling like a million bucks, looking like a giddy school kid, a 60 year old grown ass man left like on top of the world. And you know what? That's what I think more, more people need coaches like you. And from the great coaches, from the Thank great you. guys, uh, man, from the great guys, y- 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 you see that, you see that, that, that they're not in it for the money and that, they're like, look, if, if I have to, to to coach you five times, you know, for you to just get everything or for you to finally feel comfortable, then I'm not doing my job.
1: Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like communication, like that's the one thing. Like, you've got to communicate with your players. Like that's that's one of the things that I would say I harp on most of my players the most is I'm like, you got to communicate with me. Send me videos. Let me know how stuff's going because ultimately my job is to help you get better and better and better at what you do. It's not. It's not just come for a lesson and then, okay, I'll see you, in, see you in a month or something like that, or I'll see you in two weeks or wherever it is, and I don't want to hear from you until then. I want, I, like the number of messages I get on a daily basis from all the players that I coach, like truthfully, I, one, is it a lot? Yeah, it's a lot, but that's, that's cool. I love that. That's what I love doing. Um, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing better than getting a message when somebody says, dude, I can't believe I'm able to do what I do with golf right now. Like that's I never thought was when somebody says that, that's like, there's nothing that motivates me more and more to get better than a message like that. Like those, those are, those are like moments that, those are messages that you screenshot and you save and you look at, you look at during times when, when things aren't going the way you want to and you're like, okay, this is the reason why I'm still in this. This is why I'm doing what I do right now is to get messages and stuff like that because you're truthfully, you're making a difference in somebody's life and that's what's it's, it's a blast, man.
0: Last, last
1: question. Who are you playing your last round of golf with? Uh, I, w- I would play with my dad. Uh, I, w- I wish I could play with my grandfather as well I passed away. That would be the two people I'd play golf with if my last round of golf would be. Because they're the two people that had the they, – they're the ones that had the biggest input on why I'm doing what I do right now from a younger age. They're the ones that got me involved in golf, and that, those would be the two people I'd want to spend it with.
0: Well, Trevor, I'm going to tell you, dude, hopefully I'm hoping that people got a little insight to how your mentality works and how you think and how you teach and how you coach. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I I do. I told you this the other day. I said, I don't do this show for somebody else or or I don't. I I ask the questions I want to ask. And I do it because of the way, the feelings that I get. And, you know, throughout this conversation, you've, you've given me goosebumps. Uh, you've taught me things that, that, that I know that maybe I don't want to know, that I hear, that I want to hear and maybe not want to hear.
1: Absolutely. How can,
0: how, can, how can people reach out to you? Because uh, do you just work with kids or you just work with people, students that are in the Briggs or that are in the Dormy network?
1: Or can people outside of that network come and see you? Absolutely. Anybody's welcome. Uh, I'll shoot you. What I'll do is I'll shoot you over all my contact info. Uh, can you post that or something? Yeah, no, I can, I can, can post it. it? I, yes. I can post it in the show notes. Cool. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give you, I'll shoot you over all my contact information and then, yeah, truthfully f- feel free to have them reach out to me in that regard. And then we'll get you out. We got to get you out there too, dude.
0: No, no, hey, I, I'm not messing. Like you told me, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take some good advice from a professional. I'm not gonna mess with anything right now.
1: All right, when you, when, you, <laughs> when, it, when it's, when it's time to mess with something. That's right. When the
0: wheels fall off. When the
1: wheels are falling off, man. Well, we'll at least get together and play some golf or something.
0: All right, brother. Hey, uh, just uh, th- if you could stay on just for a little bit right here, I'm just gonna kind of close out. If you would just mind
1: staying on, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You All right. It. Well, th- hey, well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me hey guys i
0: hope you enjoyed the show with trevor Uh, he's a gem in this game of golf he's a gem in this city of san antonio you want to reach out to him he is on instagram he is uh trevor salzman golf on facebook please hit him up Uh, he's something special he's different like several other of the pros i've had on here uh carlos brown robert vasquez these guys march to the beat of their own drum they're not out here to take your money they're out here to get you better And I think he's one of the guys that can really do that. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed. Please click subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube channel. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.